Welcome back. I'm Zinati Guma and you're watching Stockwatch this week and joining us for a review of the week's stock performances and answers to your stock-related questions is Tamsan Nganeta from Shiloh Capital. Do send your questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, Tammy. Tammy, I actually want to start off with uh, the US GDP data that we got yesterday because on the face of it, it really looked good. Um, 4.9% versus 2.1% of the uh, pre preliminary print, and it was also uh, more than what markets had anticipated. But of course, there are murmurings that, you know what, take that which, uh, with a pinch of salt, because also one of the elements was that there was increased government spending. And I'm wondering, you know, as much as you may take it uh, with a pinch of salt, that still doesn't mean that the U.S. economy is not as strong as we thought, does it? No, I think what it confirms is a high interest rate environment is trying, starting to work. Um, we need a few more data points than we have currently. But what it does, it looks like, is that uh, the Fed is getting it right. Uh, the, the forward projections will be a continued high interest rate environment um, to lead into other government spending and other growth potential activities. Uh, but the key one to watch is that yeah, the, the Fed will feel vindicated uh, for their actions. Uh, all right. Uh, and also just uh, looking at uh, more news coming out of the U.S. and, of course, uh, the tech the tech stocks uh, to the point where uh, the Nasdaq reached a correction territory. Um, what do you make of that? But also because, I, I don't know, in my mind, it just seemed that the market was overreacting a little bit, but people saying that, no, um, you know, those, those tech stocks were, were on very elevated uh, valuations and they needed to come back down to earth. Uh, do you think that the market reaction uh, has been warranted uh, before, obviously, the Amazon results came out that kind of uh, boosted market sentiment? Yeah, I think it's a revaluation. I think uh, a lot of tech stocks operated on, on a negative profits for a long time. Uh, on the on the view that the future would bring about large returns and large revenues and large profits, and that interest rate and the economic backdrop have led to a revaluation. And when revaluations happen, uh, portfolio adjustments occur, and investors look at how they are overweight or underweight particular stocks, and they readjust their portfolios. I think it's part of uh, asset management. And I think over over the course of these economic swings, this is what we're going to have. Uh, volatility and risk are now a large component of the market uh, because we're going into times where some are calling recessions in the U.S. Uh, and others are concerned about the high interest rates and inflation. So you've got to uh, adjust the portfolio and be, be aware that there's going to be a lot of volatility going forward. Mm, all right. Um, well, let's take a look at uh, company news. Uh, Renogen uh, coming out with uh, an update today saying that they expect uh, their uh, headline loss uh, per share to be greater. And of course, the markets um, seeming that uh, not really reacting positively to that as expected. Um, I'm just trying to gauge your sentiment on Renogen because there's was also that social media chaos that happened um, in, you know, previous weeks um, where, you know, there was information that uh, the, the execs, uh, top bosses had been uh, selling their shares and obviously paying analysts. And if that has also maybe filtered through to the picture that we're seeing uh, on the share price. 
Yes, um, I think when when one is in development stage of any asset, uh, the forward-looking market and the forward-looking potential of the of the asset drives the share price, and the view of what they were going to do in the energy space. Now they've reached a point where they need to start delivering results. And at that point, it gets the rubber hits the road and the proof is in the pudding. They need to start delivering that what they had promised around what they are trying to generate. Uh, and also, uh, it never looks good when management is selling shares at a development phase or at a, a just just after a development phase of a project. Um, it looks like they're profit taking and they're hitting the road and running. So I think they've got a lot of work to do. They've got to prove to the market that this is a sustainable and viable business and that this business will generate profits and generate profits going forward into the future. Uh, they've lived in a great bubble going previously. The prices was great. Um, we were historically a shareholder and we exited uh, at a certain point because we felt the, the price was just now too high. Uh, they now need to prove to the market that they are a real energy producer and they can able, they are able to fulfill the goals and targets they set out over the last three to five years. Yeah. I mean, tell me, how long do you think they're going to continue uh, in this kind of loss-making path? Uh, because also I just want to gauge how long then an investor that is already in there can continue to hold on because of course we know that i mean this was an exploration company and it's going to take a while mm. but could we start to see investors uh, getting impatient maybe like you uh, when you decided to to drop it <laughs> um yeah I, I think we're going to see some corporate action i think uh, investors are going to hold them accountable i think uh, fortunately for them their company is more in the small scale space, so the larger investors tend not to be there. Yeah. Uh, so, so the accountability cycle may not be as strong. But I foresee a scenario where there's going to be strong, strong accountability soon. Uh, if we look at what happened to Ascendus uh, Health, yeah. that type of environment uh, causes investors to to lose out a lot. So there's going to, I suspect, there will be quite a there will be quite a few corporate actions taken, especially by Australian shareholders. Uh, who are going to look at them and say, hey, we need you to start producing. Right. Um, and that's the other side of being dual. they yeah. got to have to, they, they got to start showing that they are who they say they are. Yeah. Um, earlier on this week, there was a very interesting question, Tammy, uh, if ShopRite could end up buying a pick and pay. Um, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that pick and pay would be open to uh, being a target of an acquisition at this point, or, or not? Uh, the issue is not whether pick and pay would be willing. I think the issue <laughs> would be the competition commission. Uh, uh, would 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 such a monopoly look look like transaction be permitted? Um, and I don't think they would permit it. I think they would they would have to maintain the independence of pick and pay. I think pick and pay as a, as a company uh, would consider a buyout. Um, and I think it's possible theoretically, but practically, I think it would be a very hard thing to do. Uh, Shoprite would have to jump through a lot of hit, a lot of hoops to prove that they won't be competitive. They, they they won't be anti. They, they won't violate competition rules and laws, which is going to be very difficult. They own that. A, a, a buyout of pick and pay would mean they own a significant share of the market and would have significant pricing power. So I think I don't see it happening on the basis of just that, mm. uh, that the Competition Commission won't permit.
Yeah, all right. Well, a very interesting uh, sector right now, or it has been for at least the last uh, year and a half. Um, actually, maybe three years, PGMs. Uh, but it's just that now, obviously, we're in, we've been in this downward cycle where um, nobody can predict the bottom. And we had Coronation coming mm. out uh, and saying that they're dumping their PGM shares. So there's a question here. Uh, Coronation announced that they're selling PGM shares and they are a value trap. Others say they offer value. Uh, what are your thoughts? And there's also another question on PGMs. Uh, give your thoughts on platinum stocks for the future. So I think one needs to take a view of the operator, not necessarily the commodity. Uh, the commodities pricing, unfortunately, is outside of the control of most miners, if not all. Um, they, they are price takers. So then what happens, you need to consider, is who's running the assets. And I think companies like Sibane, they've got good operators. They're well diversified. So I think there's value there. Uh, but you've got to make sure you understand how the guys are operating and can they get the commodity out the ground into the consumer's hands at a good at a price below the market price which they can't control so unfortunately our our miners uh, have to, a double-edged sword of lack of pricing control and lack of control of the yeah. and those sort of things add additional risks to their operating environment so it really comes down to how are they able to do the, what they do and can they do it in an effective and efficient manner? And if the answer is yes, uh, you can back them going forward. Um, Anglo Platt with their Mohalakwena uh, mine, they, they do really well there. So there's scope for PGMs. Um, unfortunately, there's other risks that may be too much for larger asset managers uh, to, to have appetite in. Uh, but I think there's still value in, in PGM stocks. Yeah. And just on that, I mean, you talk about Sibanya, which is diversified. Um, and then you talk about Amplats, which is just PGMs. Would you be going more for a diversified miner or would you be going for a really, really good PGM miner? As you say, that now we need to start looking at the operators rather than the commodity. So if you're going single stock, I'd say go for Sibanya, mm. uh, given that diverse portfolio regionally and, and commodity wise. But if you're going for a PGM strategy, I'd suggest you, you invest in both. Uh, yeah. They'll give you enough exposure and they'll give you good coverage. Um, it all comes down to your strategy, but the view is uh, over time, this, these minerals are needed. Uh, the way the world is going, the way the technology around energy generation, around energy storage is going, these materials are continuously going to be needed. So the demand for them will continue. Uh, there are certain players who have come off the board like Russia because of this Ukraine uh, invasion. So there's a lot of geopolitics involved uh, in the pricing of this commodity. But over over time and over the long term, I think they'll find value. Uh, South Africa has a distinct advantage when it comes to commodity resource supply. And I think if we continue to operate well, uh, if our operators continue to operate well, it will be a good value uh, proposition. Uh, all right. Uh, there's a question here on EOH. Um, Stephen um, the, the Van Koller, the CEO uh, of EOH, resigned from EOH, uh, and his last day is in March 2024. Will there be more downfall in the share price? Um, and then it goes on to say, my average price is three rand thirty-seven, uh, with the uh, current levels of one rand thirty-five cents. If I hold another four more years. Can it pass my 3 uh, 37 uh, average price? 
Uh, please, can you tell if it is a good suggestion to hold for four more years? So, of course, uh, the CEO and CFO uh, are both resigning. But uh, from what I can make, especially with the CEO, it wasn't like an immediate thing. I didn't even uh, extend by six more months. Um, does that have an impact on the share price? But also, is it a bad thing that there is the shuffle since EOH is now basically a different business and it's focusing on growth? Yeah, look, um, when leadership resigns, it's often not a great thing, especially if there's no strategic impetus that's been communicated to all stakeholders around their leaving and who's coming in and what the next steps are. EOH has had a lot of problems, uh, especially since they were trading uh, their stock for businesses. Uh, they used their stock as currency to buy businesses, and they didn't manage that process well. And I think the reality of the situation is until everything is managed properly and things are done well uh, and they've got a clear strategy about how they're going to grow and manage, clean up the activity, get back the licenses they lost from Microsoft and all other IT-related revenues, I think they're going to be in trouble for a while. Uh, I don't see the strategy around the business, how they're going to lead it. And unfortunately, to the viewer, uh, we don't have the crystal ball to see where we'll be four minutes from now, never mind four years. So, so yeah. I think uh, you've got to make a call on the management of the business, on the sectors they operate, and their ability to execute. It's quite interesting also to see uh, the, the leadership changes because, I mean, uh, the people that are resigning now were basically responsible for the turnaround phase of EOH where now a lot of the heavy lifting is done and now they can finally get to uh, a, a place of, of trying to grow. Um, and it's, it's kind of what you saw with uh, Celsi as well, where we did have a leadership shift after with the people that led uh, the business through the recapitalization phase once that was done and then they got new leadership. So it's going to be quite interesting to see what the new leadership for both companies actually does. Uh, there's a question here going into the education uh, sector. I'm thinking of buying Advertech shares. Uh, their profitability is good, great market share and a strong balance sheet. Their investment in Africa appears to be profitable, uh, trading at a PE of 12, which in my world seems fair. Is it a good investment case for the long run? Also, what happened to their share price from 2017 to 2018? There's a downside of 60%. Okay, let's first address. Is it a good investment case for the long run, Tami? Advertech. So our view is yes, it is a good investment case, um, especially given uh, the access they're trying to provide to non-direct classroom or physical, physically placed students with online learning. I think they've got a great business model. They've got a great uh, sort of portfolio of assets. And I think their only real competition around there would, would be uh, Curo and Stadio. And so that, that industry has very few competitors. Uh, so they have some strategic advantage in that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, VCP is, is, is involved there in one way or another. So I think, I think uh, it's a good business. It's a very good business. They've got a, a, a great market and it's quite large. The question is, do you trust management to be able to address that market? And given what they've shown over the last couple of years, our answer, our answer to that is yes. Uh, for the investor, they'll have to dig in for that and see if that's the right path. But our view, it's a great, it's a great sector. It's, got, it's a large market. It's got huge potential for growth and can be addressed appropriately. They don't have too many competitors so they can really take risks 
with capital expanding, for example, into the rest of Africa. So we, we think that's a great business and we are, we are shareholders there. Yeah, and I'm actually also just trying to uh, get to this chart because it's asking also what happened to their share price from 2017 to 2018. There was a downside of about uh, 60%. Is there any reason for that? That you can, um, uh, that you can I think remember? It's, it's largely, not, not that I can remember, but I yeah. think it's largely had to do with when they were trying to restructure and, uh, and continuously acquire assets. Um, and that was before they they acquired some of their recent assets, uh, Monash especially, uh, when they still really had, I think it was Crawford yeah. uh, and Trinity House. So they, they've grown from there. They've acquired uh, the, the, net, the network contracting solutions, the HR platform. They've built up Vasti College. Vega is also involved in there. They recently acquired Monash. So they've got a, a very good um, portfolio, which cuts across three big regions. Uh, schools, tertiary, and sort of uh, human resources, and because they are, they, they've got that sort of mm. portfolio uh, breadth, they are able to address the market more meaningfully. So I think uh, from from 2017, I think uh, the world was very different. Then yeah. we didn't wear masks for and and it even <laughs> for, extended and it even, and it even extended beyond 2018 because now I'm seeing it's literally from 2017. Uh, including the 2020 slump that we saw. So really, really quite interesting. Uh, but of course, it has made up for those losses from then. Uh, Tammy, let's get to your stock yeah, for today. Yeah. I was going to say acquisition businesses are always going to have these type of struggles. Uh, ah. The valuations and how they buy, how they enter into those transactions always will reflect the share price. Uh, uh, and, and over time, they have to work their way back to value. Ah. So I think it's an inevitability that that, those sort of tips will happen, uh, but they've got, they've come together, they've done well, and they're now giving uh, Stadio a run for their money. Uh, all right. What else? Uh, stock peak for the yes. day uh-huh. is uh, Sibanya. I still hold that. Uh, there's a lot of value there. Hmm. Um, the management has performed well over time, uh, and I think their geographic diversification and their commodity diversification will return good value to shareholders over time. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time and your analysis today, Tam. We really appreciate it. That was Tam Sanglaneta from uh, Shiloh Capital. And that's all from the business lunch team. Uh, and go Boca. Tammy says go Boca. Uh, <laughs>